Welcome to a special edition of History Nachos. In today's world, it helps to see the big picture. I think it is time to put things in perspective. The Taliban has retaken Afghanistan. It is undoubtedly a terrible development. I am hardly the first person to compare Afghanistan with Vietnam, but the resemblance is especially difficult to ignore. While it is easy to see the likeness between the fall of Saigon and the chaos in modern Kabul, the similarities run even deeper. Commentators are declaring that America has lost the war in Afghanistan, just like they did when Saigon fell in 1975. However, on both counts they are wrong. I will get to that in a bit. During the Vietnam War, America's military power was never in question. However, American troops were handicapped by restrictions placed on them by politicians. For example, American troops were not allowed to go into Cambodia, even though the North Vietnamese made it a military target by staging attacks from across the Cambodian border. Sounds a lot like how much of the war in Afghanistan went. The Vietnam War functionally started ending when Richard Nixon won the presidency and took office in 1969. Nixon changed up a lot of things. Most importantly, he dramatically increased air raids and gradually gave the South Vietnamese military more fighting responsibility. In 1972, a big North Vietnamese offensive was blocked, and afterwards Nixon launched a bunch of airstrikes to pound Hanoi the capital of North Vietnam. The bombing raids on Hanoi were so effective that the North Vietnamese leadership agreed to start seriously negotiating their surrender. Peace talks had been going on for years before that, but were mainly a political sideshow. Nixon had proven his point, and the time for messing around was over. By early 1973, a deal was worked out. There were a lot of detailed concessions back and forth, but it boiled down to three main things. The fighting would stop, America would withdraw its main force, and if North Vietnam launched another attack, the U.S. would charge back in, this time with no kid gloves. The North Vietnamese truly believed that Nixon would follow through on his promise if they broke the peace terms. America had defeated North Vietnam and the Viet Cong, complete with a written surrender. A tense, but relatively stable peace ensued, like it had in Korea. A roughly similar result was achieved in Afghanistan, when President Obama massively reduced the American presence there, and started transitioning military responsibility to the Afghans. President Trump took a stronger approach, but still had the goal of making the Afghans self-sufficient. Like Nixon, Trump's aggressive personality made the Taliban believe he was capable of drastic action. By the end of Trump's presidency, the Taliban were barely a shadow of their former selves. The withdrawal of American forces negotiated with President Trump was the Taliban's functional surrender. In 1973, a big monkey wrench got thrown into the mix. Just a few months after sealing the peace deal, the Watergate scandal broke. 
The short version is that a few guys from the Nixon campaign illegally spied on Nixon's opponents. Instead of coming out with what happened, Nixon authorized a bunch of cover-ups. The American people were outraged at the deception, and Nixon resigned in August 1974. Nixon's political opponents also seized the moment to remove the vice president, Spiro Agnew. They dug up some dirt from years in the past and threatened Agnew with criminal charges. He resigned and only got a fine and probation. Under the American Constitution, the Speaker of the House took over as president. He was an establishment Republican named Gerald Ford, who was not really expecting to be thrust into the presidency. More importantly, the congressional elections took place right after Nixon resigned. The Democrat opposition saw a huge victory that gave them large majorities in both houses of Congress. Under America's system, congressional approval is required for any spending or declarations of war. The Democrat Party had strongly pushed against the Vietnam War for years. To them, more American involvement was not an option. To the North Vietnamese, this all meant the big bad Nixon they feared was gone. The results of the 2020 election created nearly identical circumstances when Donald Trump lost the presidency and the Democrats regained majorities in Congress. In December 1974, the North Vietnamese launched a probing attack in the borderlands. It was partly to gain territory, but largely to test America's new leadership. President Ford saw what was going on and immediately went to Congress asking for funds to make sure South Vietnam was ready for a big attack. The Democrat majorities flatly rejected the call for help. Among them was a newly elected senator named Joe Biden. Once the North Vietnamese saw that America would not keep its promise, all bets were off. North Vietnam geared up for a massive offensive, which it launched in March 1975. The South Vietnamese fought back, but without support from America, they were no match for the North Vietnamese, who were backed by Russia and China. The Communists pushed south much faster than even they expected. They were brutal to the max towards the South Vietnamese, especially anyone connected with the Americans. President Ford did what he could. He parked a bunch of ships off the Vietnamese coast and allowed them to take anyone who could make it to sea. As the communists advanced, panic set in. People were doing anything they could to get out. It was every man for himself. However, even in the midst of absolute chaos, many ordinary people stepped up and became heroes who saved lives. After six weeks, North Vietnam was on the final approach to the capital in Saigon. At that point, the only way out was by helicopter. As the North Vietnamese army approached, the American embassy was flying people out on helicopters non-stop from anywhere they could land. The ambassador defied orders and insisted on getting Vietnamese allies out. Embassy diplomats evacuated every American and saved more than 5,000 South Vietnamese. They pulled off a miracle under incredible pressure.
The embassy staff received very public recognition for their heroic efforts from President Ford himself. A consular ambassador named Francis McNamara deserves special recognition. He was at a consulate about a hundred miles away from Saigon. When told to only evacuate the Americans on helicopters, he sent the helicopters to Saigon and instead loaded hundreds of South Vietnamese people on boats. McNamara saved the consulate's flag and proudly flew it on his boat. He led everyone through the incredibly dangerous Mekong Delta and out to sea where they met an American ship. Similar scenes played out in Afghanistan, especially at the Kabul airport. Even though the American military has withdrawn, thousands of Americans and allies are still in Afghanistan. The terrorist attacks at the Kabul airport are also a game-changer that majorly distinguishes Afghanistan from Vietnam. I do not believe the war in Afghanistan is fully over yet, but only time will tell. Another big difference between Vietnam and Afghanistan is how the American State Department acted. In the final days of Vietnam, the State Department performed heroically. The main priority was getting people out by any means necessary, even if it meant defying direct orders. In Afghanistan, the exact opposite happened. When it became clear the State Department was overwhelmed, a political commentator named Glenn Beck raised money through his charity to personally send jets to Afghanistan and evacuate people. Even now, his organization is still conducting clandestine extractions. Regardless of whether you agree with Glenn Beck's political views, he is willing to back his words with action. At every turn, he was blocked on technicalities by the State Department, and claims to have detailed records as proof. In one incident, over a thousand refugees were on planes ready to take off, when the State Department ordered them to disembark and go back into Taliban territory. Glenn Beck went into the subject during a recent interview, which I will post on the social media sites. Be warned, it is absolutely heart-wrenching. To understand what Afghanistan currently faces, I strongly recommend watching a little-known movie called The Breadwinner. It shows what life was like in Afghanistan after the Taliban took over back in the 1990s and follows a family of women trying to survive under radical Islamic tyranny. It is easily one of the most moving films created in recent years. Even in the midst of the fall of Kabul, Something inspiring happened in a part of Afghanistan called the Panjshir Valley. Afghan patriots regrouped, formed an army, and pushed back against the Taliban. They were able to briefly hold off the Taliban entirely, but now have been forced underground. They are led by two august men, Amrullah Saleh and Ahmad Massoud. Saleh is the former vice president of Afghanistan. Massoud's father played a large part in driving out the Russians and rallied opposition against the Taliban in the 90s. Massoud has publicly stated that he intends to follow in his father's footsteps. Both leaders are seeking international support in their fight against the Taliban. 
there is still hope for Afghanistan. To all the veterans and families of the fallen from the war in Afghanistan, your sacrifice was not in vain. For 20 years, you held extreme evil at bay. Many of the modern Afghan freedom fighters were trained and inspired by Americans and other coalition troops. Ahmad Massoud himself completed military training and two postgraduate degrees with the British. Your example has also proven that the Taliban can be defeated. Make no mistake, you won that war and deserve a hero's recognition. Before the Kabul airport bombing, not a single American soldier had been killed in over a year. Like Vietnam, the soldiers won the war, and the politicians messed up the peace. The conflicts in Vietnam and Afghanistan display why it is important not to willingly give up ground to an adversary. The internet is a digital battlefield of ideas, which is why History Nachos is officially returning to YouTube. Like it or not, YouTube reaches too many people to ignore. Of course, the other platforms will remain up and running. History Nachos is also now available on Spotify and Rumble. Regardless of the platform, I will continue to share history as I see fit. I would like to end this episode with a prayer for Afghanistan. Dear Heavenly Father, please welcome the souls of the innocent people killed by the Taliban, now and in the coming times. As for the living, please protect those fleeing from evil, guide their path, and give them the strength to reach safety. Please provide courage to those who still resist. Keep their minds hopeful and their hands steady. For those who now face living under the Taliban, please give them the resilience to remain lights of righteousness in the coming dark. Even in the deepest night, a few candles can make all the difference. In thy name we pray. Amen. Amen.